Welcome to Church Folks, the new podcast where we interview folks from our church community about who they are and what God is doing in their lives. I'm Zach Dunlap, pastor of Multisite at Birmingham and Berkeley First. Throughout the Bible, people are encouraged to bear witness to what they have seen and heard. Continuing in that tradition, this podcast offers a forum for people to get to know one another and be inspired. Our hope is that the stories of these church folks empower you to share your stories, to inspire others, and to be a part of beloved community together. Last week, we met Tim Check, a Christian gay man balancing kids and career while looking to the future. Today's episode picks up where we left off. Tim, some of the people listening to this podcast might have difficulty wrapping their minds around the fact that you are a practicing Christian, a loving father, and a married gay man. What, if anything, would you say to folks who think like that? Well, you know, I could totally understand why anybody couldn't come to terms with all of these um, things. <laughs> um you know, being being a gay Christian is is not easy because you have you have enemies on both sides. <laughs> you you have folks in the LGBT community who have faced a lot of hurt, and and uh, and they don't see the church as their friends. So, anytime that you defend the church or the very fact that you're a church goer. Um, you know, that's how they see it, at least, right? Not not the whole relationship with God aspect of things. But the fact that you're even associated with the church kind of has stigma around it. And um, and so, you know, way back in my dating life, <laughs> um, it was really hard. I mean, I think straight people are already like, oh, man, there's nobody in church that I could <laughs> that I could find as a as a potential, uh, you know, whatever spouse, it's 10 times as hard (laughs) when you're you're LGBT. Um, and then at the same time, you know, uh, being a Christian, I mean, it depends. Right. And, and that's why kind of, like I said, you know, we had to do some church shopping because, um, even within UMC, as you know, uh, we're, we're split. So, um, you don't find support everywhere and that could make it hard. So I, I can totally understand why um, anybody else who doesn't have to go through this themselves could kind of be at least curious as to how, you know, somebody in my shoes, for example, uh, could come to terms with all this. Um, I think for me, you know, just growing up in the church and then having established my, my faith and made it so core to who I am um, really helped me with this. Because, you know, I don't think the LGBT community is the only one that has experienced uh, hurt from the church. Many, many people have, right? Martin Luther says the worst thing about Christianity is Christians. And I absolutely believe that. Um, and, and so if you are not so... Um, if you don't have that real deep conviction in your faith, it could be so easy to be rocked. Um, 
and and so for me, uh, you know, my faith came before I kind of really figured out that I was gay. Because yeah, you know, I, I think some people kind of grow up and they're like they're always they always knew. You know, I I kind of started suspecting when I was in I don't know junior high, something in that you know time frame. Um, but never explored that part of my life until I graduated college. So, you know, I think having had time to solidify one aspect of my life before I had to deal with the other, um, kind of helped in that re regards. But I, but I also kind of had, um, a different approach to this too. So before I explored this side of myself, um, I prayed a lot about it and I, I didn't, because my faith is just so important to me, then I, I made a promise with God and I said, okay, I'm going to earnestly look into this. And if it's something, I'm going to be completely open to either answer. Right. But if it is something that I think that, um, would not please God and that, uh, that, he doesn't want for me, then I'm open to that and fine. That's, that's that. Um, but if that's not the case, then I'll, you know, kind of start exploring that side of myself. And it was only because I, I did that, that I don't even know how long it was, maybe a couple months. Um, but because I did that soul searching, then I think I never had trouble seeing the two come together. And I, I don't personally see that they clash. Um, and I think that's what makes it easier for me. And, and anybody who hasn't done that soul searching, you know, anybody who's in my shoes that maybe thinking about coming out or something, and they're not sure how that drive jives with their faith. If there, if that soul searching is not done, then you're forced to, and, and many of my friends in Ohio uh, who are LGBT went through this. They're forced to make a choice of, do I want to be gay or do I want to be a Christian? And in my mind, it's not an or, <laughs> it's an and. So, you know, without that soul searching, it's you're, you, you face that, you face that dilemma. And, um, and I really think it's, it's only if you could come to terms with it, that, uh, makes things easier. Thank you for your openness and, and your honesty. Um, I so appreciate that. Tim, you're a family man, but also very career oriented. What encouragement or advice would you give to other parents trying to balance family and career, perhaps mm. especially in this age of pandemic? Well, well, the pandemic was great for me <laughs> <laughs> because, um, you know, so I'm a management consultant, which means I'd usually travel Monday through Thursdays and that could make it really hard to, to have a family. Um, I mean, for one, it just puts a lot of pressure on your, your spouse. Um, and, and then Monday through Thursday, I mean, basically most of the work week, they're just sort of on their own. They're, they're essentially a single parent. Um, and, and so the pandemic has allowed me to stay at home and, and, um, and then my job has also been very generous with, uh, parental leave because, and I was very, very surprised to find this. I, we we're so blessed that I had this, but even as a foster dad, I could take eight weeks off. And 
very, very few companies will do this. So, you know, I, I think we're really blessed in the, in that regard. Um, but just in general, it's been great watching Mia grow up. And and it, had it not been for the pandemic, I probably would not have had the chance. Um, so I'm actually very grateful for it. I know also have, having had a five-year-old uh, that having older kids, it's not the case. <laughs> and the pandemic is actually much harder on most families. Um, but in, gen you know, in general, even though I work from home and whatever, it's still really hard. You know, when you're working 12 hours is a light day. And, and so that means I have very, very little time with Mia before she has to go to bed every day. And, you know, the, there's a few things that I, that I think are sort of our keys to, I don't want to call it success, but you know, how we survive perhaps is better <laughs> worded. Um, I think it's just number one, it's a partnership. If there are two parents, you both just really need to contribute. And there are times when Ken really just can't, you know, do whatever, you know, whether it's like taking me into daycare or um, the morning routine or the nighttime routine or whatever, you know, we're both, we're both pretty career oriented. Um, and so being there for each other when we need each other, that's really been the key to our survival, uh, if you will. Um, and, and that partnership just makes a huge difference. Um, if I didn't have him sort of like, you know, I'll give all the credit to Ken because he does a vast majority <laughs> of the work with Mia. Um, but I think the other thing is, and, and I talk to partners at, at the firm about it who have kids because, you know, they've been doing it for even longer than I have. And their kids are older, obviously, than, than Mia too. And I think it's sort of like there's this, there's this rule that when you are with your kids – it just has to be about them, you know, and, and just, you know, be, being present for them and really investing, you know, everything you can with whatever little time you have with them. That's been really important to me. So like I I've, I've had the privilege, not because, you know, Ken's lacking an effort or anything, but I just ha so happen to have the privilege of um, teaching me her first word which is Dada, um, teaching her how to crawl for the first time, which just happened about a month ago. So cool. Yeah. And um, now I'm teaching her to, to walk, you know? So, I, I mean, it's just whenever I do have time with her, I really try to, to, to engage, you know, and, and really make it count. Um, and, and I think that's kind of how I balance the whole you know, career drive versus um, having a family. It's the same thing, you know, and, and even before we had kids, it's kind of the same thing with our marriage, right? Like, obviously we don't have a lot of time together and, you know, I think it's really easy to just kind of use whatever time you have to veg. And I, I want to be more purposeful about it. It's like, you know, back before the pandemic, then we would try to have date nights and, you know, put the phones away and, and really just kind of be present for each other, you know? Um, and, and I think that what's kind of sad about a lot of marriages, including ours at many points, is that 
you know, when you're dating, you're really trying to get to know them, right? But then once you're married, then you're like, oh, I don't know. We've already been together for how many years and stuff. And so you stop investing, right? I think we just take for granted the fact that, oh, we've known each other for so long. But just like, you know, our relationship with God, it's a lifetime of relationship building, right? Every day we're learning more about him. And it's the same thing with our partners. Um, In fact, I bought for Christmas this, um, I forget what it is now, but this is this card deck. And they're basically, you know, conversation starters for couples. And um, they're just asking like things like, um, what would you, could be silly, like, you know, what's one embarrassing thing that you would, you know, don't really want me to know about? Um, Or, you know, what are your hopes and dreams and stuff like that? So it's, it's a variety of things. And I, I think it's just like, I've, I found it so surprising that like, I'm still, we've been together seven years and, and I'm still learning to know, you know, about him more and more every day, you know, and it's been helpful to have that kind of cards to facilitate our, our conversations. But just in general, like, wow, I just, I feel so fulfilled when we're really both present and, and really engaging each other, you know, and I know for the rest of our lives, we're going to continue to learn about each other and, you know, whether it's our past or just kind of, um, the way we think and, and what's important to us, we think that we know it. (laughs) And then, then we realize, oh, there's a lot that I don't know still. Right. Um, so I, I think it's just that investment. It's just there, it's compartmentalizing that when you're working, you're all in it. And then when you're not working, you're all in whatever else. I think that's so key. I totally resonate with that. My wife, Rachel, and I have been married 12 years. And literally just last night, we were like, instead of putting on some dumb show, like, I don't know, let's pull up some like, you know, questions or whatever. And we just similar kind of thing to the cards, but just pulled up a list on the phone. And I learned a couple of things about my wife of 12 years that I did not know. And uh, it is, it's about, you know, making the priority, being intentional, investing in that relationship, whether it's your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with God. Um, That's a good word. One last question. According to LinkedIn, a lot of your work centers around mergers, acquisitions, and ventures, everything from organizing teams to proposing and managing milestones what milestones do you have for yourself, your family, or even our church right now? Good question. <laughs> I don't know. I I think when I was younger, I did a lot of this, you know, what do I want to do in the next five or 10 years? And then, then I realized life for me, at least, hasn't worked like that. <laughs> It's really more year by year and sometimes even less than that, month by month or something. So it doesn't mean that I don't have plans, um, but I've also learned to take things more day by day, I guess. And, you know, I mean, with the real long-term plans, there's a few things. I mean, so I think we're fortunate enough to be thinking about uh how do we save for retirement? 
you know, we're long ways off from that, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but, you know, just start thinking about that. And heck, I, I'm thinking about like, what is Ken going to do when I die? Which, you know, we don't know how long that is. But um, I'm planning death, which is kind of weird as a mid-30s person. But uh-huh. uh, but it's it's probably a good thing to to think about, you know, early. Uh, when you don't have to think about it, I guess. I think coming to grips with our mortality is right. uh, yeah. uh, culturally super weird, <laughs> but also really good practice. Yeah, yeah. I, I think more people should do it, um, but not enough people do it, I think. So, you know, there's these long-term things like that. And then there's like, I'm thinking about, I have no idea whether Mia and, you know, Elijah is what we're going to call our our boy. Um I have no idea if they're going to go to college or not, but we're certainly going to start saving for them. Um, and, you know, in terms of milestones, like we, th- I think of in terms of Mia's development, like she's just turned 10 months. So this is around the time that she should be crawling, you know, soon after that, um, she should be able to to kind of feed herself and, and walk. And so like, there's these kind of like short term milestones too. Um, other than that, I'm not I'm not sure that we have anything else. I mean, uh, in terms of family, I think this is it. We're going to tie the tubes, so to speak. <laughs> I think after two kids, uh, we don't necessarily want to be in a position where the kids outnumber the parents. Uh, but I mean, who knows? Who, who knows? Like, I mean, people were asking us, are we going to keep our foster license open? We're probably going to do it. Because uh, I don't know, it's it's just such a it's such a privilege to be able to invest in in these kids, even if you're not their forever family. So um, we'll see about that. So that's that's the family side. Now that we have kids, it's just like there's there's more important things than than work. Uh, and you know, as for as for the church, you know, for UMC specifically. Um, one milestone is going to just be to resolve this whole division. And in my mind, the sooner the better, because, um, the longer we drag this out, then the more hurt there's going to be. And, uh, you know, we all can't move on. Right. So I, I think there's, there's that milestone, um, more locally. I'm embarrassed a little bit that, that it's, it's the secular world that's fighting for the marginalized and not the church. And until we're there shoulder to shoulder with those folks and hopefully even leading, then I don't think we're ever going to be able to regain our relevance in society. Um, and until we're those champions of, of those who are, uh, who are the weakest, who, who have the greatest needs, you know, and, and by the way, this is not to say that we don't do anything, right? But because I think, you know, UMC and, and specifically Berkeley, Birmingham, we do a lot in our community too. So, you know, with uh, with the whole, um, uh, I think we do a lot with um, with food and, and, you know, basic needs and stuff like that. And, and that's really, really important too. Um, but with the with the latest social issues and i get they're controversial it's not when you're when you're giving those who are hungry food there's not a lot of controversy in it i get it but you know the whole black lives matter thing 
you know, we weren't front and center with that. And it's like, why do we, do we not agree with it? I, I don't think that's the case. And, and maybe we did small things here and there. Maybe, you know, individuals were part of it, but the church wasn't there kind of leading those efforts. And, and I, I wish that we were. Maybe we lost the chance with that one. Not that that has been resolved. Um, but when these things come up, I, I hope that we're, we're right there and, and not, um, not standing, you know, and being passive about these issues, but really leading in the thought, you know, being the thought leaders, uh, being the greatest supporters for, for those who need it. I'll give you the last word with that prophetic word. Tim, it's an honor to talk with you today. It's a joy to be the church together. Thank you for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. That concludes this episode of Church Folks. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about Birmingham and Berkeley First on our websites, fumcbirmingham.org and berkeleyfirst.org. Take some time this week to share your story, listen to the stories of others, and look for those points of intersection with the greatest story ever told, the continually unfolding story of God's love in Jesus Christ. Peace.